Welcome to In Process, the NC Dance Festival podcast. I'm Ann Morris, Festival Director. Each week on this podcast, we dive deep into the risk-taking and dance-making that characterize the modern and contemporary dance community in North Carolina. We have artist interviews, behind-the-scenes insights into the 2020 Dance Festival season, and fun and important conversations about dance and the creative life. Whether you're a dancer yourself or just curious about the who, how, and especially the why of dance, we're glad to have you along for this journey. This week, I'm chatting with Tommy Noonan, one of two directors of Culture Mill, a performing arts laboratory in Saxapaha, North Carolina. Tommy will be leading a workshop for the North Carolina Dance Festival on February 6th via Zoom titled Movement for Movements. We'll discuss how questions of social justice and sustainable working practices are entwined in Culture Mill's DNA, how to dance through administrative work, and what it means to be part of a creative ecosystem. My name is Tommy Noonan, um, and I currently live in Saxapaha, North Carolina, um, and I am, I guess, by profession, um, a performer and a choreographer. Um, and a cultural organizer of sorts. Um, and I am the co-director of Culture Mill, which is a nonprofit arts organization in Saxpaha with um, Muriel Elysion, who is my other co-director, who uh, is, is unfortunately not able to join me today, but um, she, is, she is here in many ways, just not physically. Yeah, I know. Well, I'm glad that you were able to join me. I know you guys have a lot going on right now with Culture Mill. Yeah. And- um, and balancing, you know, family stuff as well, especially in this mm-hmm. pandemic moment. Um, yeah. Are you originally from North Carolina? I am. Yeah, yeah. I was born in Durham, um, and I grew up like in Western Orange County, um, and was here uh, until I was eighteen, and then I left for school in upstate New York, and then lived in Europe for about eight or nine years, and moved back to the U.S. and to North Carolina like um, at the end of 2013, beginning of 2014. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I know you, you've done quite a lot of work abroad. Um, mm. What brought you back to North Carolina? Um, a number of things. Uh, gosh, I, we were living in Berlin at the time. Muriel was also my partner in life. Um, and myself, we were living in Berlin at the time. Uh, we, had a, we have a daughter and she was almost five. And so part of it had to do with um, the difficulty for us of being in a very sort of transient place of touring and trying each of us, you know, trying to tour, work on projects, raise a daughter, neither of us being from Germany. Um, we wanted to be closer to home. We wanted to be, um, well, one of our homes, uh, hers being from France, actually, or mine being here, um, closer to family. And we also really felt like we wanted our work to be rooted in a place. Um, and it didn't feel that way in Berlin. Um, it really felt like, uh, you know, it was um, it was a great place to live and to work, but really what difference to that place did our work make? So, um, you know, in visiting uh, North Carolina to visit my family from time to time, we just really were taken with the kind of feeling of the development of sort of new cultural trends in art and in dance um, and you know, kind of fell in love with Saxbaha, which is a tiny village sort of between the triangle and triad and um, decided that we really wanted to just move here without very concrete plans, but to try to 
root our work into a place and a place that we felt like was rich in fertile soil and had a lot of possibilities to sort of develop dynamic new um, artworks and performance and dance works. The Culture Mill mission talks about fostering a creative ecosystem. What, what do you mean by that, by a creative ecosystem? Um, I love, I love the model of the ecosystem just because ecosystems are infinitely more complex than we can ever understand truly. Um, and so that as a model or a kind of a system, a way to think about, um, culture is really wonderful for me because, um, you know, we, even though legally we exist as a 501c3, you know, and there are sort of traditional ways that one might um, operate maybe as a dance company or as an art services organization, all of which are really valid and really great. Um, we just wanted to create work ourselves because we're artists. We wanted to collaborate with people. We wanted to be able to open our space and share resources, allow other people to create work under a sort of a, an umbrella, um, allow different types of arts to come in to consider um, people not only as like makers and audience members, but also just kind of collaborators or um, uh, participants in just sort of a greater and more dynamic and complex evolution of, of, of culture that contributed to this place. Um, and so the idea of an ecosystem just fits because it's messy and it's complex and it doesn't have to be clean and it therefore can be rich and can support all sorts of other tangential or dynamic um, different initiatives that really just benefits um, quality of life and of being in a place. So I think that's why the idea of an ecosystem or the image of an ecosystem really fits for us. Yeah, no, I think that that messiness is so interesting to me too, you know, I think totally. there, there's such a, such an impulse in our culture, I think, to, to have really clear outlines and really clear focuses and missions. And, but, but life is messy. And so I think it's interesting to use that as a model, not just to sort of accept the messiness of life, but to use that complexity as, a, as an organizational model. I think that's really interesting. Totally. I mean, it's, it's so interesting, like with ecosystems as well, that, you know, even scientific understanding of like forests used to be, you know, that they, you know, like there were what you could see, there were trees and they were either alive or they were dead. And if they're old growth forests, you know, were just sort of these dead spaces because, you know, we didn't understand all of the dynamic like life that was going on in a, in a dead log and all of the different ways that trees and forests and different elements supported one another. And so, yeah, that, um, that messiness is actually richness also. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, how, how do you feel like, you know, the idea that you came to Saxapaha with to, to root your work in a place, how do you feel like that's going, um, having been, been there for several years now? It's going well um, by a number of measures, I guess. Um, one of the main ones being that we are still here doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the basis of that, which, which took us some time to realize, but the basis of that is, um, is relationships. And so the fact that, you know, we invest in relationships in a place as really as our primary resource, not from like a, 
sort of a, a way in which we're going to like use those relationships, but, but more that relationships provide all of the doors and possibilities and avenues to other resources. So the fact that I think we um, invested in relationships and are, are building and have built strong relationships around here and in areas sort of adjacent um, has, has created a sort of a, an ability to be sustainable. Um, so it's going, it's going well. We are still afloat um, through this pandemic, mm-hmm. um, also with the help of, of foundations and other organizations and people that, um, that, that donate monthly, which isn't, but like all of that too is relationships. Right. Um, so yeah, uh, I think that also the fact that our organization is at a certain scale has helped us. We're at a scale in which we are large enough to have developed ways to be sustainable through relationships that bring in resources and funding, but we're not so large that the weight of, of our like administrative structure is like a, is difficult to keep up. So um, we're at a good scale and we have some strong relationships and it is going for now. <laughs> it is going <laughs> for now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know for some artists and companies, this has been sort of a time to, to stop and maybe reflect mm. on what they're doing or what they want yeah. to be doing. And for others, it's been a really very busy time, sort of actively adapting to new ways of working and continuing to produce and share work in new forms. How, mm. how would you characterize this time, what this time has been like for you and Culture Mill? It's a great question. Um, it's kind of both, you know? I mean, I think that this, this time is not, um, it is, it is so generative and really important actually for me and for us as a, as a organization. Um, that said, it hasn't been pleasant in in any way, shape or form. Um, doesn't mean it hasn't been really important. So, um, I think that it has provided us the opportunity to really feel, um, the limits of our capacity mm. uh, because you know in the arts we're so used to just throwing um, throwing our own labor at something as though it's an infinite resource and uh, in quote normal times maybe we can do that easier but during this time like as a person like things are so difficult sometimes that I really feel it like oh wow like I can't do any more today and so practicing enoughness is also a way to get towards the way we've talked for a few years, how we, the, the way we want to work differently, right? We don't want to work from the, from the place of scarcity and checklists and the scarce time that we have a certain amount of things that we have decided we're going to try to get done in that time and a day and a week. Oh no, there's not enough time. That's all scarcity. And we've wanted to work from a place more of abundance and saying like, look <laughs> on a certain sort of um, science fiction level, like, we can shape time, like humans can shape time. Um, it's a perception that we don't have enough time. We have to shape and make choices of what, how we deal with time. So the ability to feel our capacity and the limits of it and to be like, I put my shoes on today and, um, and I spent 20 minutes with a budget and I took a walk and thought deeply about a project, that's enough. That's actually really a way that I wanna work going forward. I don't want things to go back to normal in this like time scarce way. So feeling that feeling of capacity and, and feeling that 
uh, like need to reflect and to stop and to practice enoughness and to really trim off like the BS work that I would just normally pile on myself has been really important in this time. Yeah, you know, I, I find myself thinking quite a lot about what future are we shaping right now? Um, as you said, you know, don't necessarily want to go back to normal times because there were issues right. with that, right? And, and I right. think that's true. Um, that's certainly true in the, the art and nonprofit world, but also in the larger society. And, you know, I, I honestly find it a little hard to, to know whether we're going to be able on a grand scale to shape a new future um, mm. because this time is so exhausting that, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we're, we're, we're discovering these, these realizations about how we want things to be ideally. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe we'll discover that all of those things that individuals are doing on that individual basis to say, you know what, I, I'm going to, I'm going to shape my life differently. Maybe that will, translate yeah. to a larger cultural shift. But I, I, I don't know. I, I wonder if everybody, everybody on a large scale is just tapping our toes, ready to like jump back in. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's I, a cynical I way to look at it. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I definitely don't want to jump back in and go to that. And it's going to be hard. Like once, you know, once um, let's say, vaccines are more widely spread and we feel like we have more possibilities for movement. It's going to be hard not to return to those habits of working and being, um, but it's, um, I don't want to. Um, and, uh, I, I really wonder about, and sort of like goes between, you know, being a person, being a, being a human, being an artist, being, you know, working in an organization, but like, we are so in this society and in this culture, we're so driven constantly by like this sort of striving need to achieve, to be nailing it, to be like all of this stuff. I even did a whole um, solo that was grappling with that a couple of years back, uh, this sort of idea of nailing it all the time and like going for it. And, um, you know, I, what I truly find scary and I, I'm so curious about is like what happens with radical letting go Right? <laughs> like, like really radically, like letting go of that each day sense of needing to like nail it and achieve the things and get them done and set, you know, um, not in a way of just giving up, but in a way of like, especially in our artworks and our organizations, like letting, letting things happen and feeding that, which is growing naturally. Mm -hmm. paying attention to that as opposed to like planting like crazy and trying to water like crazy and try, you know? Right. So I, I, there's a lot of privilege in that kind of statement and, and, and all of that because there are people right now very close to me that are incredibly food insecure. And there are people that are experiencing, um, you know, like systemic racism in a really acute direct way. And so there's a lot of privilege in that statement. And yet we all have access to that question of like, what can I rest into? And so that's my, that's kind of my thing right now too, is like, how can I rest into just like letting, letting what needs to emerge, emerge also? Where is mm -hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. Easier said than done. <laughs> I know, but I think that, I think that, I mean, we know everything takes practice. You know, we have to keep yeah. reminding ourselves. So 
Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You, you have been very involved personally and through your creative work with Culture Mill um, in social justice movements. Um, talk a little bit about how that plays out in your life and, and why does it feel important to use dance and movement in, in service of that yeah. goal? Yeah, definitely. It's, so thank you. Yeah, it's um, a big part and a growing part of what we do in Culture Mill is um, is tying uh, dance and movement and embodied arts and embodiment uh, to to social justice and also partnering as well with um, people who use restorative justice techniques, which takes um, an approach to uh, to trauma in communities and with individuals by centering the needs of the person who's been harmed. Um, so the big the big the big picture for that like. The big, the big reason for that is that um, so much of societal, individual, personal, systemic harm centers and lands on the body, right? I mean, um, one person that is a lot of people are reading right now is Resma Menekin, um, who has an amazing book called Like Grandmother's Hands uh, about, um, about systemic racism and, his, and trauma and the way that trauma, generational trauma lives in the body. Um, speci like specifically in this country in, in people of color um, and people whose ancestors were enslaved. And, and, you know, whether it is that author, others, Ta-Nehisi Coates, like there's so many people that are writing about it and it's true, so much of it lands in the body. And so we as dancers, performers, investigators of the body, we actually have a set of tools to bring this work like not only like out of necessarily just the theater, but also into community work, into social justice spaces um, and spaces where sometimes, you know, everything is super verbal and we enter with our minds, our thoughts, our words. And so there's a lot of tools which are possible to allow folks the opportunity sometimes to enter with their bodies and to know and experience and communicate with um, their bodies and to process with their bodies. So that's, a big why answer. Um, there, there's also an answer too of like, how did we come to that? Which is, um, you know, several years ago, we had some programs, one in which was looking specifically at value in the arts, ideas around value in the arts. And we had all these conversations and at a certain moment, it really came to our attention. We were really called out on this too, that like, um, man, uh, most of the people showing up to these conversations were like white middle-class people. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that we really had to examine and I had to examine as like a white cis man, like all of the ways in which working in the cultural sector and the artistic sector, it wasn't enough to just say, I'm open, right? You know, like we want diversity, I'm open. Um, really had to examine the spaces that we occupied, the spaces that we created and invited, um, and how that related deeply to um, ways in which sort of systemic racism and segregation like plays into our cultural spaces still today. And so that investigation several years ago has led to our commitment to really try to marry together um, our, our tools as embodied practitioners and these spaces and communities doing social justice and restorative justice work. 
After the break, we'll talk more specifically about the February 6th workshop that Tommy will be leading called Movement for Movements. This virtual interactive workshop will explore a body-based approach to questions such as, can we practice our values through our flesh? Where do I stand? What does sustainability feel like? What does enough feel like? The workshop will include movement and writing as it focuses on sense and perception, prompts guided movement and interaction with objects and the space around you. You can connect with others who are active in movements for social justice as you listen to and care for your body, focusing your energy toward resilient and sustainable action. All abilities and experience levels are welcome and participants should wear comfortable clothing and have paper and pencil available. This workshop is sponsored by the High Point University Department of Theater and Dance. Visit our website at danceproject.org slash ncdf2020 to sign up and receive the Zoom link. You'll also find information on our website about a subsequent workshop and conversation with Kara Hagen on March 7th titled Deep Care for Self and Community. Both of these workshops are free and open to the community to attend. And now let's get back to my conversation with Tommy. You know, I'm really excited about the workshop that that we've got planned um, February 6th with you, Movement yes. for Movements. Um, and and I think, you know, it, that idea, that workshop grew out of some of the ideas that you're talking about in terms of, um, you know, how how we live out our values um, and through through our bodies and through our actions, how we sustain ourselves um, and how we connect with other people through our bodies. Yeah. Um, talk a little bit about that, that workshop and what you're thinking about it. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So that workshop for me is really in the middle of, um, like ongoing research for myself. So in my opinion, all of workshops, whenever I take them, I always get the most out of them when the person is sort of sharing a practice that is alive at that time for them and is sort of grounded in current research. And so that is for me as well. Um, you know, it is, uh, there's a number of, of things that sort of lead to that. And I think one is, um, you know, we have, and I want to name Muriel as well as, even though I'm going to be leading this workshop, she's really important to a lot of this work that we have developed. And a, the basis of it sometimes is physical thinking, right? What we call body storming. It's also our approach to um, making decisions as an organization is um, having ways of actually being in movement and allowing reflections, processes, tendencies, ideas to sort of bubble to the surface and to emerge rather than like sitting down like thinking them out and deciding that they're going to be. And so this way of, of actually entering with our bodies and allowing our minds to move into a somatic kinesthetic space in order to sort of make the fertile ground for reflection has, is sort of the basis for that work. Now there's other th threads um, which inform it. One is um, a bit of the work of generative somatics, um, which is a work that is sometimes uh, related to some social justice space, spaces in which um, people really are dealing or processing or feeling in the first place through their body in relationship to others. Um, and, uh, you know, also just um, improvisation um, 
And so the, the, all of the things that come up, like any, any dancer who has spent time working with movement improvisation knows that like tons of things arise in that space and a lot of self-critical places too. And so, but it can also be a really uh, great place to explore. And so that workshop is going to be um, a lot of movement, right? But everyone is welcome. It, it is um, welcoming all abilities. It is asking each person to actually find a relationship to their own like uh, place of ability and effort. Um, and in that sort of constant movement, it, there is a question around, right, how do we practice our values in our body? Like that's a, like that's a really, you know, we talk about all these values of like, you know, that we, let's say a spouse, we want to be, right? we want to be grounded, we want to be available, we want to be soft, we want to be strong, we want to be dynamic. We want, you know, all of these things, actually, if we think about them, or if we move with them, like they have kind of physical counterpart or they have physical manifestations, right? You can feel what it feels like to be grounded in your body. And we actually rarely do that. We talk about like being grounded, he's grounded, she's grounded, they're grounded. Um, but feeling it and practicing it as a way of being it. And also just, you know, like that is, a, that is sort of like putting forward a value that you might like and practicing it, which is one thing, but also exploring somatically, you know, meaning be like, like through your body and perceptions, exploring what is happening and not necessarily having it, having to have it be a positive or negative value, but really feeling it and understanding it. All of this is the basis for, I think, just more embodiment, more, uh, like a way of being in touch more with our bodies, which is a foundation for um, relational work and communal work, right? If we are more in our bodies and we have more of a practice with understanding ourselves and our values in experiencing it in our bodies, that is really helping the work of building relationships, being able to experience and see the other and also being in community. So. It's all, it's all of an investigation into that. It's a lead class, a lead workshop. Um, there's elements of like forms like Gaga that come in and out, um, even though it's not Gaga. So there's different things. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I love the way that, you know, of course it's informed by, um, informed by your dance experience and your movement experience, but it's not limited to participants who have dance experience already, you know, it's open to anybody because we all have an experience of moving in our bodies. Right. Um, and, and that's yeah. really, that's really the experience that it's drawing on, right. And exploring. Totally. And even like, like, I mean, dancers too are welcome, but sometimes we as dancers are, are way more limited in this work than we even realize because we have such trained pathways to kind of explore our bodies. Uh, whereas somebody with less dance experience actually might discover all sorts of things that a dancer would not. So absolutely people who, you know, even if all they are able to move is one finger, that's movement and that can mm -hmm. be explored. Mm -hmm. And so everyone is really welcome and encouraged and people without much dance experience or training, um, as long as they're willing to sort of investigate, uh, it, it, it can be really dynamic. Yeah. 
you mentioned this was, you know, drawing from an area of current research and interest for you. Are there other ways that you that you're working through that? Other programs that you're involved in, or is it more sort of just a personal area of interest that you're that you're exploring? Yeah, I mean, it's it's um, this area of exploration is tied to a number of different things, right? So. Um, just work and practice in our studio uh, is one element of it, is a foundation for it. We're also currently in residence with MC State Live this year, um, which of course is um, much of a virtual residency, but um, you know, way, like workshops that we are doing for them is also tied to this work. And so we research by running some of those workshops. Um, we are also building a project uh, together with Carolina Performing Arts for, um, you know, a year or two from now. Um, and so this is building towards that project. And so anytime too, like there's a workshop that's taught, that's also me and us learning. And so it's, there are many different ways in which this is sort of, this work is moving forward in different partnerships. And this is one of them with you all. Um, and it's really a wonderful opportunity. And yeah, it's sort of like every, sort of tying, tying this research to every interaction and project right now. Yeah. You, you guys have also been working for a while now on, a, on an involving project with using movement with people with Parkinson's. Sort of where is that project currently? What are you working on with that at the moment? Yeah, yeah. So that, that project is, um, it started with a commission from the American Dance Festival to create a piece in on in their 2019 season and the piece was um it's called they are all and it was uh i believe 15 people in the work and nine um who were people living with parkinson's or other traumatic um brain injuries and then six people who were professional dancers um and we had weeks of workshops leading up to the kind of creation of the piece and we're really um, integrating uh, scientific perspectives, working under the um, tutelage of um, physical therapists and neuroscientists at Duke, and um, also Dr. Glenna Batson, who is Professor Emeritus um, at Wake Forest, um, and others, and kind of like taking a, a perspective on, on wondering if there's a way in which both dance and dance practices and scientific practice practices can be mutually beneficial, right? So like um, we had researchers sort of involved in these workshops. We had people living with Parkinson's, we had professional dancers and we were creating a piece and we uh, were sort of looking at the effects, the beneficial effects of this work on people living with Parkinson's and also the way in which this kind of work could help us generate new approaches to choreography. Right. So we created that work and it has continued last year through further research with Duke. Um, and we're actually working on hopefully in the spring doing our first preliminary um, clinical uh, study with the movement disorders clinic at Duke um, in which, you know, there's a lot of research. And I know you guys also have worked with dance and Parkinson's. There's a ton of research that you know shows that that dance um, is really beneficial for people living with Parkinson's. What we are aiming to look at specifically is being involved in a creative process 
through dance. Because when we're in a creative process, um, not only are you uh, dancing and moving, which is helpful, any movement is helpful to someone with uh, Parkinson's, but um, you're cognitively and emotionally and socially engaged in a particular way, right? Like you have vulnerability, you're, you're working towards something, you're experiencing it, you're directly with your sensations in every moment um, and there's risk there. And so there's all these elements that come together and help to actually make that movement experience really dynamic. So we're, we are taking that work and what we have learned in creating that work with ADF and we are continuing to run workshops. We're gonna run some in Alamance County. We have been with ADF in Durham, um, hopefully do this study with Duke. And we're looking forwards towards hopefully later this year in having a, um, a conference in Saxe Hall where we explore and really share publicly um, a lot of the outcomes of this work and research. So that's kind of like a, it's a big project. Yeah. And Muriel, Muriel is really, I'm, I'm there involved, um, but she is really a visionary and a person that is um, crafting a lot of this work. So I want to really uplift her in, in that. Yeah, no, and that I mean it's a huge project, and and so, yeah. I mean, so many different moving pieces too. And I think one of the things that that feels really exciting to me about that work and about a lot of other projects I've I've been sort of tuning into recently is is the ways in which the knowledge that dancers have or creative artists in general have the the ways in which we work out our own creative problems can be applied to things that don't seem related to dance or art. Um, you know, I've been recently reading about um, the, the Choreography Center at Akron and they have a new sort of um, program that is, is mentoring artists and companies on how to sort of take what you know as an artist, like, your your knowledge that you've gained from working in the studio and working with dancers and that kind of thing and and use that for administrative you know to to support how you work administratively and um i, I mean that's one example but i love i love that sense that i i think i don't know it's not as as intuitive in our culture mm -hmm. to think that um that these are skills that translate outside of the dance studio, for instance. Right, but they totally do. And what's amazing is like, actually there's all this scientific research like behind, you know, just even how we think differently if we move, right? And so we are like, we're both dancing administrators, right? Like you have an administrative capacity, you're also a dancer, me too. And, and it's like, one thing we've done sometimes is like, what if we actually literally dance while we have meetings, right? And maybe not with like certain funders in the first meeting, but like, what if we actually do that? And what's like, what we found is what's amazing is like, you know, all sorts of ideas, emerge, like our meetings are different. New ideas emerge, things are much more plastic, things are much more like, and so it's like, there are these ways, like these direct ways. And one is literally like, let's, actually just dance while we do our work sometimes mm -hmm. um and and so many others you're exactly right there's like so many ways that we as dancers actually process information the way you said it was really great like and process things that are so applicable 
to so many, so many areas of, of, of our work and our social existence. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, I mean, you've mentioned a, a, a few of the programs that, um, that you're currently working on or looking towards. Are there other things coming up for Culture Mill that, um, that you're excited about or that you'd like to highlight? We're, we're in a big planning mode. Um, we are uh, currently in partnership with Carolina Performing Arts as a uh, community partner with the artist Okwi Okpakwasili, who's a dancer and choreographer based in Brooklyn that just does really uh, wonderful work. Um, she has a, a piece called Bronx Gothic, which is, is uh, gone everywhere. And there's a documentary on Netflix. I encourage folks to check out her work there. We've been sort of hosting and bridging some of her practice and her work, which is sort of in line a bit with ours, to our sort of local community in this area. And she has come down from New York once in November, and we had a practice outdoors masked with about 10, 15 artists. Um, we hope to do it again in the spring. And as that moves forward with CPA, just that partnership and Oakley's work that we're sort of helping to contain is really exciting. And that is also part of um, a work called, um, it's not part of it, it's sort of laying the groundwork for a, a work that uh, we're creating called Eclipse, which will, um, which we will create and direct, uh, which will happen in 2022, uh, most likely in Chapel Hill. And that is um, also just about, um, it's an outdoor work for 30 to 50 people, most of whom are non-professionals. Um, really just a, about putting into practice a lot of these tools in a sort of a social setting, but in a performative way as well. Hmm. So all of this is sort of like this long-term, right? I like this idea of, um, sort of fermentation, right? Like letting things ferment and that's how they progress as opposed to having to produce, produce. Mm -hmm. So Eclipse is a big one. Um, the continuation of this work with, um, with Parkinson's uh, and, um, you know, I also want to give voice to a collaboration that Muriel is sort of hoping to work on with an incredible um, French uh, Maloya singer uh, named Anne Waho, who is um, from the island La Réunion and she's a singer and she and Muriel have a really exciting sort of bubbling duet that they are working on. Um, and so these different sort of projects, which are bubbling up, um, they're long-term and they take time, but we're sort of setting the, the roots for them. And, and actually we also have the sort of the roots and the, the start of a, a little duet that we had even, you know, had yeah. started to work with um, North Carolina Dance Festival on. And, uh, yeah. you know, then COVID happened. And so that got a little bit, but it's still like, it's still in there. It's still work has been done on that, so. Yeah, well, many we, things that are in progress. Yeah, we, we are really hoping to to be able to present um, present you guys as part of our thirtieth anniversary, the culmination of that season. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. We're, we're figuring out what what those plans can can look like for next fall. But um, yeah, yeah, we will uh, we we will we will find a way. Um, or a way will emerge. I'll say that a way yeah. will emerge. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe I need to just like, let, let that emerge. I don't know. I, yeah. But we have like, it's, and it's work being available for something is work. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. mean just not doing anything. It's mm -hmm. like, 
being available for something to emerge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. <laughs> Well, Tommy, thank you so much for, for chatting totally. today. It's really, yeah. um, it's really exciting to hear about all the, the ways that you guys are working. And um, I, I've been so excited to think about how we can all in North Carolina do more of like rooting our, rooting our work in place and in relationships. And yeah. thank, you, thank you for doing so much of that work. Yeah, I mean, well, thank you guys for all that you do too statewide. I mean, that's really one of the reasons that we moved here was that like there's an incredible amount of just like brilliance from people living in the state and um you know the more that we can just sort of uplift and connect to one another um is is gonna just help that you know art is not a zero-sum game like mm -hmm. if one person does well it doesn't it's not at the expense of someone else so you guys are doing a lot of that work of connecting dots and that's super important. So thank you. I so enjoyed getting to talk to Tommy today. We'll link to Culture Mill's website and social media in the show notes, or you can visit culturemill.org to learn more about the exciting work that Tommy and Muriel are involved in. On the Dance Project website, you'll find information about the February 6th workshop, including how to register. That's danceproject.org slash ncdf2020. From there, you can also join our mailing list and follow Dance Project on social media to keep up with upcoming festival events and other Dance Project news. You can find us on Instagram at Dance Project Inc. and on Facebook at NC Dance Festival. Thanks for listening. The North Carolina Dance Festival 30th anniversary is supported by the National Endowment for the Arts, the North Carolina Arts Council, Lincoln Financial Foundation, Ecolab Foundation, and Stearns Financial Group. We need the support of individual donors and business sponsors as well to make possible the innovative work that North Carolina dancers are creating, bring students meaningful experiences with the arts, and strengthen the community through dance. To make a gift to the festival fund, please visit danceproject.org ncdf2020. Thanks for your support.